With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back. We are excited to have you for part two of this two-part podcast episode series. Essentially, our episode went a little bit long, so we decided to make it into two episodes this week. So if you missed it, go back and listen to part one and then join us here for part two as we hop in and discuss the last few things before the 2020 season starts. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Welcome back, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. We want to talk a little bit more about the 2020 season. But the one thing that we really want to start with here, now that we've talked about the schedule already, is the roster. This year, we mentioned that players can opt out for medical reasons, but they could also opt out just to opt out if they felt like it was better for them, better for their situation. And we, as a fan base, have one specific player to talk about with the Rockies who did so, and that is Ian Desmond. It made national news because it wasn't for a medical reason, um, and he made a pretty powerful statement when he decided to opt out. Um, I kind of remember exactly where I was when his Instagram post went up. I remember seeing it, and it was just pretty moved by it. Um, it was definitely a powerful moment for, for me. Um, do you remember everything that you thought when it happened, Adam? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Uh, and part of it is because, because it was national news. So Ian Desmond was the fourth player to opt out. And, uh, you know, the first few guys opted out for not necessarily because they were in an at-risk category, but because for family reasons, like um, Ryan Zimmerman, for example, of the Nationals opted out because his wife was pregnant with their second or third child. And so he's like, I'm not risking this with my family. Probably internally, he's like, look, I got my ring. Um, so whatever. Um, but, uh, but Desmond's was much more personal. So like just for anyone who, in case anyone's forgotten, um, you know, with the uh, uh, protests sparked by the death of George Floyd, uh, Ian Desmond came out with a really powerful Instagram story, actually. Uh, it wasn't even an Instagram post, so you know, it'll be hard to find if you want to look for it. That was just kind of talking about his experience as a biracial man in America and, and especially in baseball. And, you know, it it seems like that kind of opened up the floodgates for him. So he had this nine page, uh, essay essentially that he posted on Instagram that was announcing that he was opting out of the season. And, and it was pretty wide ranging. It was very, very well written. Um, and even if you were to disagree with any one thing that Desmond was saying, you know, it's, it's pretty, it would be really, really hard to discount him in any way. Um, though some people, managed to, but I'll, I'll get to that, to that in a second. Um, but, you know, he mentioned some things like, you know, how his local little league in Sarasota, Florida had 
all but collapsed. Like it was the uh, uh, the little league that turned him into a major leaguer, and and it was uh, a shadow of its former self. Um, he talked about you know just his experience with um, uh, you know again as a biracial man uh, you know in uh, in major league baseball, and you know just some of the toxicity he saw in the clubhouses. Um, some of the toxicity he saw in the game from, you know, the way that the league is fighting over uh, labor issues to, you know, the Astros cheating scandal, uh, which is second time it's come up in this episode. I haven't even thought about it <laughs> in the past three weeks, but, um, and, uh, you know, at the very end, he mentioned, hey, I need to be home with family. I, I don't remember if uh, his wife is pregnant or if they just had their uh, you know, third or fourth kid. I think it's kid. their fifth um, kid. And so, so you could look at. Yeah. Okay. Lot, lot of kids. Um, and so if you just skipped to the very end, you could be like, oh, he wants to be with his family. Like, that's great. Like, um, whatever. Um, but, but it was much more wide ranging than that. And, and so it was, uh, it was really powerful. Like, um, one of the things that's been kind of hard about having Ian Desmond as a Colorado Rocky is that he just hasn't produced. Um, and, and he's really, really struggled, um, to, to put up the numbers to justify his contract. And he's taken a lot of, you know, all, I would say like deserved, uh, flack for that. Like, I mean, I, I don't feel like anyone in the media has, you know, attacked his character or anything like that, but they're really like, Hey, you're not putting up the numbers. Like, um, and uh, part of the reason it's so hard is because, by all accounts, like Ian Desmond is a great teammate to have in the clubhouse. Like he is a, you know, an exceptional human being who has like gone out of his way to make a huge difference for a lot of different people um, um, in his life, and uh, and so you know, just one of those really high character guys. Um, and so, and that, and so for me personally, like that's never really been a question. Um, I've written my fair share of articles for our website uh, about. Like, I, I think I was one of the first to say, hey, it's time to think about DFAing Ian Desmond, uh, which is, you know, I feel kind of bad about it <laughs> at this point. Um, but, uh, you know, reading his statement and, and, you know, his decision to opt out being, I want to make this uh, Little League shine again. I, like, I want to do everything I can. If I can take a season, take a season off, a partial season off to do that, that I'm going to do that. I'm going to do everything I can to uh, make this for someone else what it was for me um, and to invest in my family and to invest my voice into uh, issues of justice that are really close and personal to my heart. Like, um, like I said, if you disagree with Ian Desmond on any one of those things, like, you know what, like that, that's fine. But, um, but I, I posted something on Twitter that was just like, you, know, you, you can miss me with any kind of criticism of him abandoning his teammates or whatever, which is also a crock of garbage because all of his teammates came out within the next two days and said, we love Ian, we respect what he's doing, and we support him 100%. So, like, um, you know, not a good line of reasoning to take, uh, you few Twitter trolls who did not heed <laughs> what I said um, in the tweet. But, like, Ian Desmond is a man of principle, and I have nothing but respect for people who who take that kind of principle stand with in such a way uh as to not tear someone else down 
because that that's even rarer. Like you have pl you have pl people of principle who, as part of their principled stance, like will tear people down, and so it's that principle doesn't necessarily come across as principle in that point. Ian Desmond is just like pure integrity, pure, pure principle, and so um, not having him around the team uh, will surely be hard. Um, not having him in the lineup every day um, uh, makes you know, frankly, like ma makes it so we don't have to write the article of, well, what, what are the Rockies going to do about their Ian Desmond problem? Um, now their Ian Desmond problem is not having him as a positive force in the clubhouse, which, which might end up being a problem. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens over 60 games. Yeah. But, I've said uh, over and over again, and I mean, I went back and I even searched my own tweets to see the things that I've said about Ian Desmond over the years. And one thing that I've always said is you have to separate sometimes the player from the person and Ian Desmond is an impeccable human being. I have said that multiple times. Um, I actually found a tweet that I posted last year that said, I don't care about how he plays at this moment because I am very much honored to have him on the team based on how he acts as a person. Um, and the type of person that he is, he is a great clubhouse personality as well. Um, he brings leadership and I think wisdom to the clubhouse for personal reasons, not necessarily for having the best tips and tricks for hitting a, a home run, but I think he's just a good person to have around some of the players, especially the younger players who are learning what it's like to play at the major league level and to be in a clubhouse with guys with a lot of history. So I, I have said over and over again that Ian Desmond is a fantastic human being and his post when he decided to announce that he was opting out was very powerful. It was very heartfelt and thought out. Like you can tell he didn't just write this in three seconds. Like he took the time to carefully choose his words and make sure that he was basically showing the world that he's choosing this season to opt out, to be there for his family, to be there for his community, and to just make a, a difference in the world. Um, and I think that that speaks a lot to his character. And I very much respect him. And I think that he is making a, a good decision for him and his family. Cause his wife, I don't believe they've had their child yet, but like his wife's pregnant. I think it's with their fifth kid. It's like fourth or fifth. It's, I mean, they have quite a few kids. Um, so he's making a decision to not only be there for his wife and newborn child during the season, but he's also choosing to be there for his older kids as they ask questions about what's going on in the world, whether it's about, the, the social change that people are pushing for, whether it's about social injustices, whether it's about racism, whether it's about the pandemic, whether it's about baseball in general, I think he's choosing to be there and to be a leader in his home instead of a leader in the clubhouse. And I, I totally respect that. And I know his teammates respect that. And I actually um, got to sit in on the uh, media uh, opportunity that Jeff Breidich did the day after Ian Desmond's announcement. Um, ben and I both sat in on that and we kind of co-wrote an article about some of those discussions and, and Jeff Breidich mentioned over and over again, 
that the conversations that they had were exactly like his Instagram posts. They were heartfelt, thought out, and not done from a place of, oh, I just don't want to be there. It was done from a place of, I need I have a purpose back at home, and I need to take the time now to do that. And the other thing that is fascinating by all this is by him opting out, he is also opting out of his pay for the year. He's opting out of his service time for the year. And he is doing a selfless thing for his family and his community. And I think that's a great thing for him. And so yes, that's going to make the payroll a little bit lighter for the Rockies. But I don't think that that is necessarily was a driving factor for him. I think it was like to him, that doesn't matter. He just wants to be the leader in his his home. And I think that's a great thing. I know a lot of other people may not agree with some of the reasons, like you mentioned, like they may not agree with some of the reasons why he decided to opt out. But if you have kids at home, if you have a pregnant wife at home, you're making a decision to be there for them. And I think that alone is more than enough. The other reasons are also powerful and his statements were also powerful, but I think him being choosing to be a family guy this season is more than enough um, of a reason to opt out because other players have done the same and other players and coaches have also opted out for health reasons, but there's a reason why the opt out was there for this year. And I think a lot of players are making those decisions and they're not taking the decisions lightly because they're, they want to be there for their, their teammates and they want to be in the clubhouse and playing the sport that they love. But they also know that sometimes life is a little bit bigger than baseball, even though we all love baseball. Yeah. It's, uh, it's worth mentioning too that, you know, like you said, you know, if a player is on a list uh, for medical reasons, they can opt out and they will receive their uh, pay and, and service time. So, for example, because David Dahl is spleenless, which makes it harder for him to fight off an infection, um, he he if he were to opt out, he would get his full pay, uh, his full prorated pay, and and full service time for this year, which is important because he's a pre-arb guy, um, and so he hasn't signed that big contract yet, um, and he's. Uh, still working towards getting towards uh, further along in the arbitration system. He does get his own like special locker room, which is like, you know, a room the size of a bedroom is his locker room area uh, at, at Coors Field, which is, I saw that. which is not lame. Um, but so for a guy like Dahl, if he wanted to opt out, like fully there for him, um, you know, Ian, he's in a different situation. He's he's able to make this decision because he's already had that big contract. Yeah, he's uh, you know leaving a bunch of money on the table this year, but you know he's he's still gotten paid very handsomely uh, just by the Rockies. You know, and as far as service time goes, you know once a player has been in the league for ten years and five of those years with the same team, he has maxed out his service time. They're called the ten and five rights. Um, and you know, there's a lot of different benefits for that. Um, I think one of them is, you know, you get limited no trade or veto uh, uh, rights or something along those lines. Uh, the particulars escape me, but um, so in some ways, like on the baseball side of things, you know, Ian Desmond didn't have anything to lose um, by opting out. He had a lot more to lose by not opting out. Um, in his mind. And so it's, you know, it's, it's hard to 
argue with that. Um, but you know, one of one of the consequences for the Rockies is, uh, you know, with the universal DH, you know, Desmond and Murphy looked like they were going to be the guys who would be rotating time at the DH position. So the Rockies had to go find someone, and uh, uh, maybe this is, would be a good time to transition to who they found. Yeah, uh, with the. Uh, loss of Desmond in the clubhouse. Um, I think that, that it's good to talk about the fact that they did sign Matt, Matt Kemp. Uh, sometimes I want to call him other names <laughs> and it's terrible, but we, they signed Kemp to a minor league deal. Um, and it has since been announced that he has made the team, which part of that press conference, or I, it's not really a press conference. It was a Zoom media availability with Jeff Breidich right after Desmond opted out. It's never a and, press conference with Breidich. It's always a media availability. So Yeah, I know. So it's like, <laughs> I want to call it a press conference, but it, I mean, and it's also weird because it's via Zoom. Right. So you're not even in person. You're just watching a video. Um, but part of that conversation was also about the signing of Matt Kemp. And one of the things that was interesting was before they had even discussed Ian Desmond opting out, they had been in conversations with Matt Kemp after he had been released from the Marlin Marlins. I think it was, I think the, it was the Marlins. Marlins. Um, I want to keep saying Mariners because that's where Cargo was before he was released, but it's, it's the Marlins. Yeah. He was in Florida. Um, but one of the questions that was asked was, you know, was this something that happened after Ian Desmond opted out and Breidish said, no, this was already in the works. And the conversations had already, or had started prior to the pandemic even. I, I, I um, think they talked in to the, the, winter. the winter meetings is when they met and he ended up signing with the Marlins and then the Marlins released him at some point between the pandemic kicking yeah. off and summer camps kicking off. So the original discussions with the Rockies and Kemp started at the winter meetings and ultimately Kemp decided that the Marlins were going to be a better fit for him at the time. And then obviously when he got cut, his agent reached back out to the Rockies and that's when conversations started again. So conversations were happening. Um, and then they had come to an agreement with him. It took a little bit for the deal to actually be signed and, and inked properly, but at the time of the press conference, they had already agreed, not press conference, the media <laughs> availability, my bad. Uh, the, at the time of the media availability, they had already come to an agreement and had discussed when he was going to arrive for all of the check-in protocols. Um, so Kemp, I think, has the availability to be out in the outfield, but I think he might actually be a better option, primarily as a designated hitter, um, especially during home games. He has been known to rake at Coors Field. And if he can keep that up as a member of the Rockies, I mean, one of the quotes from Breidich during that availability was he said something about, like, we are very well aware of the damage that he's done yeah. to us. So I think it's a good thing to note that he has had success at Coors Field. And if he fits into that DH role because they have better younger legs in the outfield, I think that's totally fine. Um, the other player I think who's still in the discussion for the DH and whether it's deciding that based on right-handed or left-handed pitchers, we'll find out. But 
is Daniel Murphy. So Kemp is a great addition, but I think we also have Daniel Murphy as an option for a DH. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to come out and say right now that you know Matt Kemp had a good defensive reputation when he was with the Dodgers. Since he's left the Dodgers, he's been like, if I, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school. He's been one of the worst def- out defensive outfielders since then so i do not want him running around in Coors field's outfield period uh i am happy to have him you know get off the bench uh once every nine uh batters and and swing a bat um and if his bat speed's there then then maybe he can be a productive member and run into things but you know like you said daniel murphy's a good option he's been raking in summer camp um in these sim games uh he is uh and which is good because the rockies kind of have a glut of talent on the right side of the infield you know they have uh uh, ryan mcmahon who's apparently going to bounce between second base and first base they've got brendan rogers who's apparently back and ready to go uh but they also have another surprise uh guy making the roster and that's uh that's chris owings uh yeah and so chris owings is probably going to be second base but he can also shift all around the infield and um into the outfield same with garrett hampson um but yeah chris owings was tearing it up in spring training and then he went on paternity leave uh for a few days and by the time his paternity leave was up after he had his first kid it was you know spring training was done (laughs) so um Apparently he made the roster more or less based on off his performance there, but you know he had he showed enough in summer camp that the Rockies felt comfortable putting him on the roster, and so he and Hampson are going to be uh, kind of our super utility guys. Um, uh, so, yeah, and I think it's something of note too is that they're starting the season with thirty guys on the roster, the the main roster, not counting the taxi squad. But as the weeks go on, that's going to dwindle down until it gets to the 26, which would have been what a normal season would have had. So if Owings is not performing during the first few weeks, it's very possible that he's one of those players that kind of gets kind of shifted maybe into the taxi squad or may just be released in general, DFA'd, who knows, but... It is nice that we can start the season by saying, okay, we have Kemp, we have Owings, we have Hampson as a super utility guy, we have Murphy who can hit. We also have the ability to shift Ryan McMahon to first base, and we have Brendan Rodgers who can play second, and then we also, you know, we're pretty locked in with our shortstop and third base, but if any of them get hurt or any of them contract the virus, you do have those options. So starting out with 30 people... And having Owings and Kemp be part of those two that made the roster that were not already a part of the team that were minor league signings, I think is going to be beneficial. And if they don't perform, there's always the option to DFA them. I mean, it's a shortened season. So or, or or even just put them the on the taxi squad, the I think. I think the way the season's going to work is, yeah. you know, as long as there are available members on your 60-man taxi squad, um, you can just send them to the taxi squad, whether that's going to be in Albuquerque or if it's going to be at Metro State or whatever. Um, yeah. So, shoot, it's... And whether they play more or not, like, we, we don't know, but it, it's nice to have right. that availability, um, especially 
without having it's gonna be so weird like this just hit me it's gonna be so weird not being like they were optioned triple a albuquerque because that's not happening there is no minor league season this year so that's gonna be very weird mentally i think but i think kemp and owings are great additions and there is one other addition that was kind of a surprise um, and that is daniel bard who is making his what return after how many years has it been seven years i think since he made his last appearance since he last his last daniel bard was uh was a key member of the red sox bullpen for for a few years in the early 2010s um the last time he pitched in a major league game was april 27th 2013 um on april 28th 2013 uh you know a player that a few of us know uh, pretty well made his major league debut and that was nolan arenado so uh daniel bard has been out of the league for uh for arenado's entire uh entire career so that so it's it's not a small thing like this is a this is a big deal like there's not a lot of feel-good stories not a lot of like uplifting things uh happening in the world right now but but even in sports like the big story in sports in most sports right now is how are we going to navigate the virus? So like for Daniel Bard to make the, make the roster is, is just, just really, really cool. And again, it comes back to everything that you were saying about, you know, you know, he might, he might not be on the 26 man roster once we're down there. Uh, but you know, he's going to be a valuable piece. You know, apparently the Rockies like what they're seeing out of his fastball and, you know, they, he's proven that you know, his arm slot can work at a place like Coors Field. Um, you know, it, he had an inter-squad game where he got got kind of roughed up, I think, on Saturday. But um, but he's shown enough to warrant a spot on the roster, and so that's it's really cool. Like it's it's really cool to have you know a couple um, feel-good stories coming out of Rockies camp. Yeah, I think it's it's especially good knowing that we have extra bullpen arms specifically because of all of the big news that happened late last week there was a friday news dump like none other and those were the that's the day that we also learned that you know kemp owings and bard made the team but that was the biggest piece of news that was released and if you haven't seen this i would be shocked because it's it's pretty big news and that is that ryan shaw and jake mcgee are no longer rockies they have been released. Yeah, uh, just, just wow. I, I, you know, I think we have covered a lot of big news in this podcast already. Um, I think if, if we were a weekly podcast or, or a bi-weekly podcast, we would be very, very guilty of burying the lead here. Like, I think in any other situation, this would lead off the podcast, but you know, it's, it's been almost, it's been a month since we uh, were last able to record. Um, And so we had a lot of really, really big things to cover. Um, But this is, this is no small thing. Uh, This is, uh, this is Breidich and company admitting defeat on the Super Bowl pen uh, from the 2017 off season. Um, Shaw and McGee, you know, McGee, had his ups and downs uh, in for for the Rockies, and his 2017 season was actually pretty good. He was one of the few reliable lefties that we had, um, and so 
I remember at the time when that when they signed Sean, they signed McGee, and they signed Wade Davis. Um, being you know the Rockies just got excoriated by the Saber community because you're not supposed to pay big money for bullpens, which is true. Um, but at the same time, you know the Rockies were coming off of a 2017 bullpen that was really really good, but they were losing a lot of guys. Uh, and you know what were they gonna? What else were they gonna do? Um, th- it's not like they had a ton of good prospects floating around um, that they could promote and, and give a shot. And, you know, the Rockies tend to not do that anyway, and maybe that's something that would be worth revisiting. And maybe, hopefully, that's what they're revisiting now and be like, oh, this didn't work. Um, but, you know, at the time, Shaw looked great, like a great signing, because he had had so, so much success with the Indians. Hindsight being twenty twenty, you know, that guy's arm just was worn out and was not ready for Coors. But... Um, but yeah, the Rockies were just kind of in a no-win position uh, heading into 2018. They, they needed to replace guys in their bullpen. And the only way to do that was to pay big money on the free agent market. Um, and it didn't work. It just flat-out didn't work. McGee and Shaw combined for an ERA over five over the last two years. Um, and there was just a collective sense of dread for Rockies fans anytime they came into a game. Uh, so for before the season, for both players to to not make the the 30-man roster right not even the 26-man roster the 30-man roster you know and we'll see if they end up in the taxi squad or if they get picked up elsewhere or whatnot but um but it's a big deal yeah i don't think they're gonna make the taxi squad at all i think they're i mean i hope not just yeah i think they're just done um because they weren't put on waivers or like they were straight up released um so it wasn't you know, let me put them on waivers. Let's see what happens. It was like, hey, we're just going to release you guys. Bye. Um, and I think that's actually a great thing. And it was pretty shocking on Friday when it happened. Um, oh, yeah. I can't remember the last time I was that shocked. Um, you know, there have been signings and things where you're like kind of expecting things to happen or, you know, like when Ian Desmond signed his contract, it was like, Oh, well, you know, like, okay, that happened. Um, or, you know, just different, like the Nolan Arenado extension was an exciting thing, but I don't think it was necessarily shocking because everyone realizes what a player Arenado is. Everyone knows that he's a great player, but when you see two heavily paid players like Sean McGee, just, released it's like whoa (laughs) um that happened i think probably the the last shocking thing like that was probably when tulo got traded there might be a few things in between but everyone was pretty pretty upset when tulo was traded but i think the opposite reaction is what's happening now is everyone is relieved to see sean mcgee gone and and i don't know them as people i don't i'm sure it's it kind of sucks for them as players, but they didn't perform well. There were moments where I actually had a little bit of faith in Shaw last season, and then he would blow it. So, like, there was, like, a moment where you're like, okay, he's doing okay, maybe it'll be okay, and then things just went downhill, and McGee, anytime I heard his name as entering a game, I there was a pit in my stomach because – you were either going to crash and burn or there was going to be a moment where you're like, okay, he just got us through and we're okay. But I think cutting both of those players was the right decision. 
Um, and I think fans universally are very happy about it. It's not one of those things that's divisive. And so I think it's an actual unified moment for pl- uh, fans and players to see, okay, we're not going to have to to worry when they enter the game. Um, and, you know, Davis was the other key player in the Super Bowl pen, and he was not released. Um, and I know in spring training he was looking okay. I'm not really sure how things are going for with summer camp because it's such a shortened duration anyway. But, you know, when I saw him in person at spring training, um, I was like, you know what, he doesn't look terrible. So I'm hoping that they've seen enough in him to have faith but I also know that with a shortened season, he's going to have a short leash. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 see, it feels like there's a bit a bit of a corner being turned here. Um, we've got you've got numbers for us on uh, to pay attention to for Davis, but um, you know I mentioned before that I I was a reluctant defender of the Super Bowl pen, not necessarily because they were the right players or. Um, anything like that f- to spend the money on, but to a certain extent, you know, the Rockies, they, they had to replace the bullpen somehow. Um, and, you know, they were in a bad situation that there weren't a lot of solutions out of. Um, but it feels like a corner is being turned. Um, uh, over on Rock's Pile this weekend, uh, Kevin Henry wrote an article, and I linked to it in our Rock Pile. Two different things, folks. Um, uh, on Sunday, and he and he pointed out something that that was really interesting to me. Uh, you know, the Rockies have Daniel Bard on a minor league deal, and you know the guy could totally implode, and it, we have no idea how that's going to work. Um, but you know, one of the few signings that the Rockies made this offseason was for Tyler Kinley, who um, has really big strikeout stuff, and as we talked about in this the sim, like was one of the best bullpen guys in, in the simulation um training for james pazos uh last april was was a big deal um but you know it, it's it's interesting to me to see okay it's it's almost as though they are recognizing hey that's not the way to build a bullpen we need to go identify players who have high upside this or you know really great tool there um, and and bring them in, and so what we have is a it right now is a bullpen that has been developed from within or you know filled in uh, on the margin from the margins, and and that that seems like that feels like a big deal. Um, it it probably isn't in the grand scheme of things. Like it's probably just kind of a you know a marriage of convenience in a lot of ways with with some of these players, but. Um, but yeah, like having Kinley and, and Pazos and, and Bard joining Oberg and Estevez and Diaz, uh, who also did really well, um, at, you know, towards the end of the season. And, but, um, even with Davis hanging on, uh, this bullpen's going in a different direction. And, uh, that, I hope that that's a signal for the way that the Rockies do player development or roster building, I should say, is going in a different direction. Yeah, and I think that the the move in a different direction is the smart thing to do, especially, you know, we're in a shortened season. So if there is 
even a, a glimmer of success in this 60 game season, I think that's going to give us an idea of what they're going to try and do mm. for a full length season. Um, and, you know, mentioning Wade Davis, um, I think he really is going to have to be on a short leash. If he is not performing well, that's going to be a big deal. Um, he has a vesting option for 2021. So for reference, if the season was full length, he would need to finish 30 games in order to vest. Since it is a shortened season, it's a prorated length. And so that length is only 11 games for 2020. So that means he has to be the last player on the mound for 11 games in order to vest. So that's not, I mean, that's a sixth of the season ish, a little more than a sixth, but 11 games is going to fly by very quickly. And thank you, Adam, for clarifying exactly um, what finish was. Mm -hmm. Um, You and I had a discussion before we recorded specifically about what it meant to finish and that essentially means he has to be the last right. Rockies so, pitcher on so the mound if, for that game. If he gets, a, if he and, records a save, or if uh, he blows a save, or um, or if he's just the last Rockies pitcher to pitch in a loss, like that, that goes down as a game's finished. Um, so, so it's not hard to see how eleven games. You know, if if he's really set up as the closer, like those eleven games can happen pretty quickly. And if he does not perform well, I think that it's going to have a very shortened leash compared to what happened last year, you know, waiting until August to move him out of the closer role. I think if it's poor performance, he's giving off walk-offs or he's blowing saves regularly, I think it's going to be one of those things where we could potentially see Oberg in that role again. Or it could be a platoon-type situation, depending on Oberg's health. Because as it was released just the other day, Scott Oberg um, actually started one of the intra-squad games before they um, are getting ready to head to Texas. So he started it, which was really weird to see on a, a roster list or a a lineup list to see Oberg as the starting pitcher. But it's really because um, he's dealing with some health issues. Um, There was a tweet from Thomas Harding about that information. And he is also slated to to also pitch in the um, exhibition game in Texas. The first one, I believe, is what it said. Um, Let me pull up the exact tweet. So basically... He was only used for an inning to start the intra-squad game, but he has some back tightness. Um, so he's also going to pitch in the exhibition game, which, if it all goes well, is today, um, as long as I get this done correctly. Um, it is today, which is Tuesday. The What day is Tuesday? I'm losing my mind. Um, but the Tuesday exhibition game, there are two games of exhibition against the Rangers before the start of the season, and they're on a Tuesday-Wednesday. Um, and so he's supposed to pitch in the first one on Tuesday. I don't know if he'll start that or if it'll just be getting him in there for some work. But if he has back tightness, we may not see him during the first few games. He may end up on the IL for a few days, which is not great because I love Oberg. I think he is a solid arm in our bullpen. Um, he kind of proved that last year before right. he got hurt at the end or well had blood clots at the end of the last year. But I think – with that 
position maybe being, I don't know, it depends on if he ends up hurt or not. But if Davis does not perform, I think we could see Oberg as a closer or like they did at the very end of last year, a platoon type role, which is not my favorite idea. But hopefully Davis closes well. And if he doesn't, then there has got to be some right, changes right, that need to be made. Sure. Otherwise, it's just um, going to stress me out. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. So Oberg starting didn't really raise my eyebrows at all because you know that that happens a lot in spring training games. Like you know, you'll have a pitcher come in early because they want him to face the top talent, um, especially those back end bullpen types guys. So um, so. It, it didn't raise my eyebrows until we heard from Harding that while well, he's dealing with injuries, they want to see if he's going to be ready. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, if, if his back doesn't respond well to his sim, uh, sim game this weekend, sorry, I won't be confusing because <laughs> it's not the purple row sim. It's the simulated game that they're like the intra-squad game. Um, if his back doesn't respond well, then they'll just give him a break and hopefully avoid an IL. Um, stay but but yeah it's it's uh the problem with bullpens is it's not hard to see how things can go downhill quickly when when one of your top guys is, is out or unavailable so um especially since i really want davis on a short leash because you know i don't think it's any mystery that the rockies will not pick up the mutual option but if it's a vesting option uh, then they're going to have to have a hard conversation about eating a lot of money <laughs> that uh, they probably would rather not have to eat, um, especially since yeah. they're going to be eating um, uh, Shaw's and McGee's contracts. Granted, like they're eating a much small, you know, the prorated amount, so it's it's not uh, as much of a of a tough ask this time around. But uh, but yeah. Yeah, and so eating that small salary, the smaller salary from Sean McGee, but also saving us from them vesting for 2021, I think is was part of the reason why they made the move when they did. Um, I don't remember exactly how many games their vesting option was, and I didn't do the math on their pro-righted like I did with Davis. Um, but I think he does need to be on a short leash. I think there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, but if... Right, right. Jeff Breidich sees it that way, we will soon find out. But I cannot believe, just thinking about it, it hit me pretty hard today that the season is starting this week. And that is so weird because we, you know, I was lucky enough to go to spring training unlike other people. And I was really excited about baseball, but then the pandemic happened and the world shut down, basically. And it's been months and we haven't had real baseball, which is, again, why the simulated season that Ben did was great. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, my gosh, baseball is happening this week. Um, And it actually starts. Yeah, Friday. Yeah, so Friday. Opening day. So Thursday is, like, Major League's opening day with a couple pretty big games. Um, I think, like, Yankees and Dodgers have their opening games on Thursday, which I might watch just because, you know, why not? Um but Friday is the Rockies opening day in Texas against the Rangers. It'll be the first regular season games to be held in the new Glo- Globe Life Stadium. 
or Globe Life Park. I think yes, it's one of them. I think it's Globe Life Park. Well, it one of them. It was one for the previous one that they just closed, and I can't remember if it's Stadium or Park for the new one. But either way, it's it's, it's Globe Li- it's Globe Life Field. We're both wrong. Okay, we're both wrong. So <laughs> Globe Life Park was the previous one. I'm pretty sure. So Globe Life Field. It's going to be the first games that are real season games, and I'm very excited about it. The Rockies have three games against the Rangers there, but prior to the season actually starting are those two exhibition games that I mentioned. So they're on Tuesday and Wednesday, just right before the season starts. So it's actually going to be interesting depending on who sees playing time in those games because that's going to be five games in a row against the Rangers. Uh, Granted, there's a, a day off in between, but that's not normal for anybody. And so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens because historically the Rockies have struggled against the Rangers, um, especially in Texas. So I, I know a couple years ago I went there to actually watch the series and it broke my heart. We only won one of the games, but it'll actually be interesting to see how things play out now that they have a retract. I think it's a retractable roof, but anyway, it's going to be closed kind of like what we see um, at Chase Field with the Diamondbacks. So I think that'll probably be a good thing. There's going to be less intense heat. Um, but I'm so excited for the season, but also very nervous for how things are going to play out in general, not only just for the Rockies as a team, but because we are still in the middle of a pandemic. But I'm so excited. I can't believe it's already here. Like it truly hit me today that we are going to have real baseball. And I've been a part of Purple Row for almost nine months. And I have yet to see a regular season baseball game in nine months of being on staff <laughs> at Purple Row, which is mind-boggling, but I'm really excited about it. Um, are you yeah. as excited as I am? Um, it, it hit me in another way. Like I said earlier, you know, I'm, we've been in the middle of a move. Um, and so, you know, and I start a new job on, uh, to, on Monday, you know, this week, and I start school uh, in two weeks after that. Um, so there's been so much going on, you know, we had our second kid back in April. So like, it's, it's, it's been a wild year, uh, to say nothing of everything that's happening in the world for, for, us. so, um, I, I'm not sure it's going to hit me until it's on my TV that, oh yeah, there, there's, there's baseball games there, there they are. Um, you know, if you are in Denver, um, well, actually I, I think pretty much anywhere Tuesday's, uh, exhibition game is, going to be on MLB Network um, and on um, MLD. If you're outside of Denver, you'll be able to watch it uh, on MLB.tv uh, through the Rangers broadcast. Uh, same same deal on Wednesday. If you're, MLB, if you're outside of Denver or you have a really good VPN, uh, you'll be able to watch, uh, watch it on MLB.tv. But then, yeah, it's, it's, um, then it's Friday. Um, two two good games on Thursday. You got the Yankees and Nationals with uh, Garrett Cole going up against Max Scherzer, so that'll be really fun. And the uh, the slightly less fun matchup of uh, Johnny Cueto versus Clayton Kershaw in the Giants Dodgers game later that night. But but Friday, uh, six o'clock Mountain Time. It's it's Rockies Rangers first game in Globe Life Field. Uh, I'm excited to see a new stadium. Uh, I love seeing new baseball stadiums and. Uh, Get, getting the full load down there and uh, yeah it's it, it's 
it'll be interesting to see how they actually work out playing real games with you know, all the health guidelines. But uh, you know, I think most of the time it's just going to be like, oh yeah, it's a baseball game. <laughs> um, and so so yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited too. And um, I think with Tuesday's exhibition game, if I remember correctly, I think if you have MLB.tv and you are in the Denver market, you can still watch it just for Tuesday's game. I think Wednesday is the blackout restrictions are going to apply. I could be wrong on that. Don't quote me on that. But I do remember seeing something about the Colorado area would be able to see the Tuesday's game, especially since it is on the MLB network. So either way, exciting. We're going to have real baseball this week. Um, and I can't wait to come back with our next podcast, hopefully with Ben and we can discuss some behind the scenes, hopefully about the sim and we can discuss real baseball games and real things happening in the baseball world and not just talking about simulated transactions and making guesses, but it is going to be hard to mentally separate. I think the sim and the real season, because my brain is currently merging the two, but I'm really excited about baseball, really excited to have some form of normalcy in the next few weeks it's it's such a shortened season that it's going to fly by if they make it through the whole season so um thank you for joining us for a longer podcast it was long today we know that um there was a lot of topics to cover a lot has happened in the last month and hopefully once the season gets going we'll be able to return to being every couple of weeks instead of once a month or once every few months now that there's going to be real baseball it'll hopefully be fun and um even though you've had a ton of life changes, Adam, we hope that you'll still be able to join us for a few episodes, um, if not all of but, them, and maybe we can play some fun yeah, games. Yeah, but, but Ben will be back, and so I'm, I'm excited to have Ben back on the podcast. Um, happy to fill in, because officially Ben and Becca are our hosts, and so I've just been kind of an, an interloper. Uh, but you know, I'll, I'll still be around. Um, but I want to say thank you to anyone who made it with us this far. Um, if you did make us... Uh, to the end of this episode, send us a tweet, um, either Becca or me or Purple Row, uh, that just says, hey, I listened to the end of the podcast. I want my free gift. And we will send you a free gift, a customized gift in in response uh, to, as a thank you for trekking with us to the end of the episode like this. Yeah, it's definitely a long episode, but we're glad you're here with us. Um, And I'm so excited to say this. Go Rockies. Go Rockies. Uh, Go go, go baseball. Let's go baseball. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast.